Good to, good to be here with everyone. Um, <clears throat> and before we start, I want to just mention, if you don't have a little book like this, just offer it to each one of you. There's no cost involved. It's on the Lord's Supper, and um, I think you'll enjoy it. And if you know someone who might benefit from it, you can take one for them. There's plenty of copies back there, and I have 200 more copies in my car, so I'd be very happy for you to take as many copies as you can use. So uh, look at the back table and pick up one of these copies if you would like. Well, this morning we want to exalt and encourage and say a word in honoring our mothers. And um, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to First Timothy. You know, the Bible is full of examples of, of, uh, of great mothers, and I think, uh, I hope, and I trust that you have been blessed by having a wonderful Christian mother. One of the greatest benefits in the world is to, um, is to have the benefit of coming into this world and being nurtured and, and encouraged in your life by a Christian mother. My mother was a, is, a, is a Christian. My grandmother was a Christian. And, and my great-grandmother. I've had a great heritage, a lot of Christians in my background, and uh, it's been a tremendous blessing in my life. I didn't always think it was a blessing. Um, there was times I wanted to do certain things. I wanted to go to the movies with some friends. And my mother would say something like this. She said, you're free to go to whatever movie you'd like to go to, but I want to ask you one question. So okay. Can Jesus sit in the seat next to you while you're watching the movie? And so that's the kind of thing she would say. Or would you feel comfortable if the rapture took place and you were watching that movie? So, you know, it's a great benefit. I didn't always appreciate it. But over the years, I truly benefited uh, from godly, godly mothers. You know, in the Old Testament... There was a, a number of wonderful mothers, uh, examples of wonderful Christian or godly mothers. Abigail, I think, is a great example of a godly mother in the Old Testament. I think Hannah is a, a great example of a godly mother, the mother of, uh, of Samuel. And I think that, um, that Naomi and Ruth, Naomi is a, an example of a wonderful mother, although we don't read much about her mother, mothering aspect of her two sons, but we see her being a wonderful mother to her daughter-in-law and the spiritual impact and the godly impact she had upon her. It's a certain place that's in chapter 3. Uh, she speaks to her and guides her, and she says to, uh, Ruth says to Naomi, all that you say to me, I will do. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? She built up that spiritual credibility in the eyes of her daughter-in-law, and she knew her counsel was wise. She knew, she knew her counsel was good, and so she followed that. But we want to look in the New Testament. We want to think about a number of different benefits and traits and, um, and uh, aspects that Christian mothers uh, are involved in. And one of the great aspects I want to think about, the most important aspect, I think, is the way they spiritually... Uh, uh, build up and encourage and especially bring us to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest benefit, I think, of, of, a, of a Christian mother is how they bring a young person, how they nurture, teach, uh, encourage, and so a child can come to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. As we come to 1 Timothy, um, I'm going to read a few verses, especially just beginning at... Um, 
I think we'll begin at, I think it's Second Timothy, I'm sorry. Second Timothy. We'll begin to read at verse 3. I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience. Without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I, be, that I might be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. And then just turn a page or two over to chapter 3. And it says in verse 15 of chapter 3, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, how did, how did Timothy become a Christian? Well, I don't know. We don't read of his conversion. But I would highly, I, I would highly speculate that his mother led him to the Lord. Paul writing, knowing his background, he says here about his mother, and maybe his grandmother had a great influence upon him. He says that from a child you have known the scriptures, and they're able to make you wise unto salvation. I just want to read another verse, too, before we look a little bit further. I was thinking of this verse, Romans chapter 16. Not only do mothers have a tremendous benefit in their own individual uh, children's lives, but they have a wider ministry than that. And just a little verse in chapter 16, a short, um, a short, uh, a short verse that's tucked away in in the uh, in the salutations of the Apostle Paul, chapter 16 of Romans and verse 13 it says there it says Paul giving his salutations. He says, "Greet Rufus." Chosen in the Lord and his mother. Imagine that. All of these well-known Christians and those who have been helpful uh, to the people of God as he greets the church in Rome. He says, he says, greet Rufus, chosen the Lord and his mother. And then notice what it says next. And mine. Now the NIV says, who was also a mother to me. You know, it's a tremendous thing that mothers can have a great spiritual impact on their own children. But when you come to their homes and you come into that circle uh, near that mother, that godly Christian mother, she has a tremendous benefit on others. And I'm not sure what kind of benefit she had in the life of the Apostle Paul. But it was so great that he'll record in chapter 16, verse, uh, verse 13, that this mother, she was a, she was a mother to him as well, but we want to go back to Second uh, Timothy, and I want to think together with you uh, about four different aspects that I think are a tremendous ministry of mothers in the lives of their children and the lives of those uh, near them that come into their their ministry in their home or or um, friendships and those kinds of things. And uh, I think the first thing we think about, uh, first thing we see in Scripture is that uh, mothers create a holy atmosphere in the home. Now, there's a verse in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 
It says, if an unbelieving, if a believing wife is married to an unbelieving husband, it says that that man is sanctified. Chapter 7, verse 14, is sanctified by the believing wife. And then it says this, and the children are sanctified also. You know, and people have wondered what that verse means. That might wind up in the, in the question box tonight, I'm not sure. Might wonder what that, what that verse means, but I think it means this. It means that a godly mother, a believing godly mother, creates an atmosphere in the home through prayers and through her, her character and, and through the way she carries herself, her conversation, her love and interest, her grace and mercy, just her, her, her ministry in the lives of those who are in that home. She creates a godly atmosphere, a holy atmosphere. And so that husband comes into a sphere of that godly atmosphere and he becomes sanctified. He's set apart unto godly things. And those children too, those children in that home come into a godly atmosphere, a holy atmosphere. They hear hymns being sung possibly. Uh, my wife plays the piano and sometimes she'll just go over to the piano and play hymns. And, uh, and our kids can hear that. Now, years have gone by. My wife has taught my, my daughters to play, uh, play the piano somewhat. They're not real experts. But my kids, my girls come home from school and they play hymns on the, on, 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 on the piano. And you say, well, how did, how did that ever happen? How did that ever happen? I think it's the godly atmosphere that a wife creates in a home. The kind of Christian radio station she may listen to, the kind of music she may listen to, the, the character she has, she creates an atmosphere in the home. It says also in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, we have a dear sister in our assembly. Her husband just recently got saved. But for two years we've been praying for him, and, and she would come over and just talk and lament and, and agonize, how can we see this husband come to the Lord Jesus Christ? And she'd want to um, drag him off to uh, a marriage seminar at a church and here or there and try to do all that she could. But it says in First Peter, it says that your husbands, by the behavior of the wives, can be won to the Lord Jesus without a word being spoken. Now, how can that happen? How can that happen? Well, you see, the... The holy atmosphere, the godly atmosphere that a wife can create, a, a Christian wife can create in a home has a tremendous impact. And so she began to do that, Nicole, our neighbor, and over a period of time, her husband was saved. But let's think about a couple of other things. Let's turn to a couple of verses about this whole idea of the godly atmosphere in the home. Let's turn... Uh, in First Peter, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, in First uh, Timothy chapter five and verse fourteen. So a couple of interesting uh, verses we want to look at about the role of women, role of wives, mothers uh, in the home. And um, chapter five and verse. In verse 14. Uh, yeah, we'll begin with verse 14. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children. <clears throat> the next little phrase, 
it says in the King James, it says, guide the house. Give no occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some are already turned after Satan. Now just focus in with me this little phrase, guide the house. Middle of that verse. Now it's interesting that the Greek word underlining that word guide the house is a very strong word. It's, a, <clears throat> it's the uh, Greek word despote. We get our English word despot from it or tyrant. Now you probably don't think of your mother or your Christian wife as a tyrant of the home or the despot of the home. But you know, I think it has the idea that a Christian mother has a strong, firm hand in the home. And this is very, very important. And I think more and more uh, in homes, unsaved homes and Christian homes, um, the mother is not in firm control anymore. I think more and more the children are in firm control in the home. But I think it's one of the great principles that, um, that mothers would have a firm control, that they, it may sound like a strong thing, a tyrant or a despot, but I believe that this is such an important thing. I think that mothers need to be very strong and guide their children. And they, I think it's a very difficult thing to be a mother. And I have seen mothers cry and weep and be very concerned over their children and what is, what is happening with their children. And uh, it is very, very difficult. I think a lot of mothers also have tremendous regret in their lives. They pour their lives into their children. They give all that they have. They invest their very being in their children. And then after a while, they see their children go the wrong direction or a direction um, they're not happy with. And they have tremendous regret and tremendous guilt, and they blame themselves. And they say, what did I do wrong? It's all on my shoulders. Uh, my mother, I think, was a godly mother. I think she was a very good mother. And, um, but she came one day to me. Uh, my one sister is not saved. She came one day to me, and she said, I'm a failure as a mother. And that I never forgot that because... I told her, you're not a failure. I mean, that was the last thing I would ever expect out of her mouth, that she was a failure as a mother. But I think mothers carry around a lot of guilt sometimes because they pour their lives into their children. Someone once said that our children are the only investment that we could in, invest in that we, that we can take to heaven with us. So we pour our lives into them. My wife and I, our motto uh, in raising children is we have the first 20 years of our lives to ourselves. Then we have our children. We were married a little later. Then we have our children for 20 more years. We pour our lives into them for that period of time. And we'll have 20 more years of retirement after that. But we give ourselves to our children. We give all that we can to them. And we give them to the Lord. And as you come to a verse like this, it's important for mothers to be strong, to pour their, their lives and do what is right on behalf of their children. And I think as you do that, I think you'll see the Lord blessing and honoring our families. I want to say something else um, about this part. 
Uh, when you read a verse like this where you have the idea of the tyrant of the home or the, uh, the strong, the firm, strong control in the home, a lot of times it may sound to some that the, that the mother should be, doing the, uh, should be the main figure doing the discipline in the home. And I don't think that's true. I don't think it's true at all. I think that the husband is the person who should be doing the main discipline in the home. And uh, I don't know your philosophy on child rearing, so I don't want to step on any, any toes here, but we believed in spanking our children. I don't know if you believe in that. I believed in spanking our children. Uh, my mother spanked me, <laughs> and uh, we thought it was the right thing. And I usually took that responsibility, and I think that's the right thing. And I think it's very important that some mothers want to be so sensitive to their children that they don't want the husband to spank the children, to exercise discipline in the children's lives. And they find it hard themselves because they have a strong heart bond with their children, a, 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 a love and a uh, a bond with them, they find it very hard to discipline their children. But I think it is the husband's role to do that. Now, I want to look at two passages, um, actually three passages about this. Let's, let's turn the Old Testament for a moment to 1 Samuel. First Samuel chapter 3. In all of my reading, and you may show me a verse otherwise, in all my reading, I have never come across a verse where God reprimands the wife, the mother, for not disciplining their children. Never seen a verse like that. Maybe there is one. Maybe you can show me where it is. But there's plenty of verses that God calls the husband and says the husband has not disciplined the children. Look over here in this passage. This is a passage about the priest Eli and his sons. And um, it says in verse 13, I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. He didn't discipline them. He didn't bring any correction in their lives. Turn over to me. Uh, turn with me over to First Kings chapter one. First Kings chapter one, an amazing verse, I think, in uh, this regard. Thinking about disciplining our children. King David, have you ever wondered if he ever spanked his children, disciplined them? Do you wonder if he ever corrected them? Ever corrected them? Well, this verse says that he did not ever correct his children. It says in verse 6 of First Kings chapter 1, it says about Adonijah who, uh, after the death of Absalom, decided to take the throne uh, while David was yet alive. And, um, and they began to do, they prepared chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him to announce his kingship. And then in verse 6 it says this, his father about him. His father had not displeased him at any time. And I think the idea is his father never displeased Adonijah in his entire life. Notice what it says. By saying to him, why, has, why 
This is King James. Why hast thou done so? Why did you ever do something in that way? His father never questioned him. Why did you do this thing wrong? He never said, why did you do this thing so? God holds the husband, holds the father responsible uh, for the upbringing and the discipline of the family. And I would very much encourage those who are married now, those who have young children now, those who may be thinking about marriage now, that as you, as you get to that position in your family, um, to take up the role of loving, godly, proper uh, discipline of our children, our sons and our daughters. Now, you may think to yourself, and I've been told this, that we will psychologically harm our children for a long time if we discipline them in that way. Now, I know secular psychologists say that, but also many Christians believe that. And uh, one day I was concerned about this, so it was dinner time. We had the kids around the table. They were probably 15 or 16 years old. And so I decided to ask them a question. So I said to, to all my kids, my three children, I said, do you think I was too hard on you? Do you think I spanked you and disciplined you too much? Now, I thought I did. Okay, I thought I was a pretty, pretty harsh father in some ways. And um, I thought they deserved it each time that we exercised discipline. But anyway, I asked them. You know what they said? I said, no, Daddy. He said, you didn't, you didn't hardly ever spank us in our lives. And I thought to myself, this is an amazing thing. I must have, I must have spanked them. I don't know how many times. I think I lost count of how many times Alan was spanked. I don't know. Uh, Laura, Laura here and there. Sarah, Sarah was the best. I think she's probably learned from the others. Um, but they said, you hardly ever spanked us. I can't remember the last time we were ever spanked or disciplined. You know, it's an amazing thing. God has built into the hearts of children. I think the understanding when they were, are wrong and they receive discipline, they know they, they know they deserve it, and somehow they forget uh, the experience. They learn from the experience, but they forget uh, that, the harshness of it. Our time is flying by here. I want to look at a couple other things. Uh, turn with me to Titus. Titus chapter, uh, Titus chapter 2, and verse 5. Titus chapter 2 and verse 5. There's another little part of a verse I want to look at with you uh, that speaks about the, the ministry of mothers in the home. Titus chapter 2 and verse 5. It says here, To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, Good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. I want to look at one phrase in this verse. Look at the phrase um, in the first part of the verse where it says, keepers at home. Now, at first glance, you probably think that means that the wives should be housekeepers. They should vacuum the rugs and wash the dishes and wash the clothes and do all those kinds of things. Now, I don't want to step on any toes, but I'm not sure that that verse means exactly that. 
Now, I'm not saying that the wives do not do that. Mothers don't, don't do all those kinds of things in the home. They do do those things. But this verse has something different to say. The word for keeper is the same Greek word for someone who is a keeper of a jail, a guard. So it's interesting. It says here that the wife, in some way, is someone who safeguards the home. The mother, in some way, she is, and I like to think of this word as the gatekeeper, the one who's a guardian of the door of the home. She guards what comes into the home. She guards what stays out of the home. She guards what kind of friends come into the home, what kind of material comes into the home, what kind of video games come into the home, what kind of uh, television programs come into the home, what kind of movies come into the home. She guards that. She keeps those things out and out of the lives, I think, of the lives of the children. And she brings those things into the home that are beneficial for the lives of the children. I think this is very important. Not to open, uh, if our children had a lid over their heads and allowed us to pour garbage into their heads, videos, computer games, whatever it may be, and say they'll be unharmed by all of that. I don't think that's true. And I think this is a very important ministry in the lives of mothers. And I think most mothers do this. But sometimes they feel guilty. They feel, well, you know, another family in the chapel, they let their kids watch this movie and they play this computer game and they can go to this place, they can go to that place. And they feel guilty that they're holding back uh, things from their children that the children might enjoy. But I would say to you that this is one of the most important things you can do. Safeguard, guard your children and the the things that come into the home and the things they hear and see. Just one last passage before we close for this morning. And that is over in the Old Testament in chapter 13 of the book of Judges. Chapter 13 of the book of Judges. Here we have a passage about, about the wife of Manoah who would be the parents of, of uh, Samson. And an angel of the Lord comes to the wife of Manoah. And she was bearing, it says in chapter 13, the first part of the chapter, couldn't bear children. And, but an angel comes to her and says, you will conceive a child. And the angel continues to say, beware, don't, don't drink wine or strong drink. Uh, don't touch or don't eat any unclean thing. Um, and so forth. She comes and tells her husband this great news. And then Manoah, the husband, prays to the Lord to send this angel again to give them instructions of how they should raise the child so the child would be a godly child and would be all that God wanted that child to be. So in verse 8, Manoah entreats the Lord, prays, and says, Send this man of God again. Uh, to teach us what shall we do to the child that shall be born. How should we raise this child? Now, now we all would love to have that book, right? We'd love to have that book that God put in our hands, say, here's how you raise that child. But in verse 12, it says, this is angel came to Manoah and to the woman. And in verse 12, we have the conversation. God begins, the angel begins to instruct 
Manoah and his wife on how to raise this child. Verse 12, it says, Now Manoah says to the angel, the man of God, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child? You can almost see it now. He's ready with his tape recorder, his shorthand pen. Let your words come to pass. I'm going to write everything you say down. We're going to do exactly like you told us. And in verse 13, we have what he said. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, All that I said to the woman, let her be aware. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, drink wine or strong drink, and continues to say the same thing that he had said to her before when he first came to her. Now, what's the principle here in this verse? I think the principle here in the verse is that techniques and all kinds of different child-rearing ideas that we hear today, some are very good, some are wonderful, and we've learned from books and learned from others. But the most important thing in the life of a child, I think, I think the Bible teaches this, is the character, the Christian character and example and lifestyle and devotion to the Lord that the mother has. Now, it's interesting. It doesn't say this about the husband. It says, let the mother observe all of these things. It applies to the husband, too. But it says, let her observe all of these things. Her character, her lifestyle, her example, her modeling these things in her life before the children will have a transforming effect on their lives. And I believe that with all my heart. If you want to be a good mother, and I know you all do, the key thing, there's, it's great to read books and go to the, um, the uh, Art of Marriage seminar that, that Dave is going to have in his home. That's all beneficial. But the best thing you can do, the best thing, is to be the kind of Christian mother that God wants you to be. And as your kids, as those young ones see Christ in your life, that will make a difference in their lives. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the mothers that you have put in our lives, and grandmothers, and godly aunts. And Father, we thank you for them. We thank you for the impact they've had, the testimony they've had, the character that they've had, the love for us, and the sacrifice for us. And Father, we pray that when we, as, as we are fathers and mothers, and as we others who are younger, later on become fathers and mothers. You will guide them and encourage them and strengthen them to be the kind of Christian mothers and fathers that would just transform the lives of the young ones under their care. And we just pray you would help us and lead us and guide us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.